right, everyone, welcome into the Superflex Super Show. I am James the Brain here with Ethan at EternerFF underscore PT on Twitter. Ethan, man, it's been a little bit since you and I have been on, man. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, definitely working hard on the weekends like usual. Uh, actually, just working hard in general all the time. Um, the COVID stuff has definitely impacted my day-to-day life in healthcare a lot more than I expected it to. And we're just trying to get back on the grind, get things back going to some type of normal routine. And so that has taken a lot of time and effort on my part away from my fantasy football stuff, which is like, clearly that's the most important stuff that I do. So uh, I have been, I have been busy, but I'm starting to try to get my life back into some type of normal routine again. So I'm excited to talk about fantasy football and leave some of the stress of real life behind for a little bit. Very cool, man. And I, and I, I think that's a struggle everyone's kind of going through right now. Seems like a lot of things are opening back up regardless of how we feel about it. And, uh, and trying to find that normalcy um, back in our daily lives is uh, it's going to be a challenge, man. But uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're here because the normalcy that you have with the Superflex super show is here for you. The goodness of Superflex talk and uh, today, Ethan, we are going to go over ADP, uh, the ADP over on DLF Dynasty <clears throat> at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. The Superflex ADP has just been updated. Um, it hasn't been on the website long. Uh, thank you to Ryan McDowell and John Hogue for accumulating that, that data for us and doing it as quick as possible. So we have the June ADP here for the Superflex Um ADP on uh, on DLF there. And so we're going to use that information, Ethan, you and I, and we are going to uh, go over some of the guys that we're buying at their current ADP, some of the guys that we would be drafting in our startups, given their current ADP, and then some of the guys that we're not going to be buying. Um, we're going to go position by position. Um, so Ethan, we're going to start with you, bud. And we're going to start, I mean, this is the Superflex Super Show, right? So we're going to start with quarterbacks. Uh, Ethan, give me. Let's start with your bias. Who who are you buying at their current ADP, and uh, and and give me kind of a, a a brief synopsis on why. So for me, I'm I'm a guy that likes to wait a little bit longer on quarterbacks. I know we've got some people on the show, uh, John, looking at you, uh, that like to go heavy with the quarterbacks. I'm one that I like to wait a little bit. So I usually don't grab the big name quarterbacks right off the start. But one guy that I seem to be getting a lot of this year, especially is Matthew Stafford. And so with Stafford, obviously uh, last couple of seasons, injuries have derailed the seasons a little bit, but this last season Stafford was playing arguably his best football that we've seen from him, maybe in his entire career. Um, you know, he had a hundred point six uh, QB rating. That was the best, best number of his career. Um, 19 to five touchdown to interception ratio, which was also up there for his career. He was on pace to easily eclipse 30 touchdowns. This is the, one of the better wide receiver cores that he's had in his career in a long, long time. You know, we haven't seen something like this since 2011, uh, where he threw 41 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. I mean, that was, that was a year that of course he had Megatron. Uh, you know, this is, for all intents and purposes, that was the this was the best year that we've seen from Matthew Stafford in a while, and he's consistently put up solid fantasy numbers. I mean, he went on a stretch there 
after his rookie season, uh, 17 fantasy points a game, 21 and a half fantasy points a game. That was in 2011, 17, 17, 15.7, a little bit of a, uh, a down year in 2014. But if you remember, he didn't really have much to work with that year. Uh, the team was, was definitely hurting from the weapon standpoint. And then he went 18, 17, 17. And then of course, last year, um, he had 20 fantasy points a game. So you're getting him at QB 14. That is a significant value for somebody that, arguably was a top 12 quarterback most of you know the time that he played last season so to me that's a screaming buy and what i've found especially in in dynasty leagues with two quarterbacks i'm getting matthew stafford a lot cheaper or what i would consider cheaper than what his current adp in startups is going so he's definitely a guy that if you need a second quarterback and he's on a team that maybe has three quarterbacks or four quarterbacks that they really like, he's one that maybe I'm trying to send a, you know, not, not a, a disrespectful offer by any stretch, but definitely a below average, uh, below value offer to see if I can't try to sway the owner of Matthew Stafford to give him up for a discount. Um, the second guy that I like to buy right now, and again, uh, I tend to take the uh, cheaper route when it comes to quarterbacks. And one guy that I feel like is, while I don't know if he has as much security as a guy like Stafford, uh, definitely feel like he could be put up con- considerable value for where you're getting him at. And that's uh, Carter Minshew. You know, Minshew came on the scene uh, last season, and we really didn't know what to expect from him. Um, he did end up putting up some pretty respectable numbers. I mean, when you look at the just the overall statistics for him, you know, he played in 14 games. You know, he uh, 60% completion percentage is not great, but he threw for 3,200 yards, you know, 21 touchdowns to six interceptions. That's a great ratio. Um, you know, and he also uh, low-key rushed for 344 yards. So he, he's given you 16.4 fantasy points a game. Um, last season and his this offense and this team is going to be built around him at least for this season and so uh, to me this is this is a guy that you can get you can pick him up as your QB2 he's probably going to outperform you know he's going as QB24 right now so he's definitely um, I would say probably undervalued for what his production was last season if he takes even a marginal step forward you could be looking at a guy that you're getting as basically the last QB2 that is easily going to put up top end QB two numbers, uh, you know, on a pretty consistent basis. So uh, definitely like those two guys as far as, as buys right now for the quarterbacks. Really nice, man. Um, I, I, uh, I, man, Stafford's tough for me. I mean, I, a lot of people will bring up last year, last year, when you, when you kind of look a little closer at, uh, at, at kind of what Stafford did, he, he did, he did play well. Uh, there's no doubt, but I mean, that schedule was, was nice. I mean, he got to play Arizona uh, at home against the chargers, the Eagles, the chiefs, uh, the Packers, which he didn't perform great in green Bay, but then he also got to play the Vikings and the giants. Um, so he missed the bears twice, uh, which is nice. Um, and it, just that schedule, man, just was, those are some bad pass defenses that he got to play in the first eight games. So I would just say it's it's probably not going to be that easy again for the Detroit Lions moving forward. Um, so that's that's what concerns me a little bit. But even with a little bit of regression built in, Stafford could easily outperform quarterback fourteen this year. So um, so so your your point is well taken there. Uh, you know he he can he can have some built in regression and still be a value at that ADP. Gardner Minshew. 
is a guy who for this year, if you need a quarterback for this year, I'm okay with. You did mention that he doesn't probably have the long-term stability of a guy like Stafford, and I, I would agree with that uh, because I think I, – I, and we talked a little bit off-air about this, Ethan. I, I think Jacksonville could be in the running for the worst team in the league this year. I, I think they're going to be bad. So uh, I, I think they could be you know, in the running for the number one pick, and if they get it, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy, you know, regardless of what Minshew does. I think that's the value. That's that's you know probably where you're going if uh, if everything kind of plays out the way most of us expect it to, and the way quarterbacks go in the NFL draft. You know, um, Justin Fields and and Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance are probably all going to be top five picks. So uh, so yeah, uh, that that's something interesting to monitor. But again, a guy who showed a lot his rookie year, and you can't argue with you know the the numbers that he put up last season. Uh, passing attack should be just as good, if not a little bit better, maybe. So I mean, I. I could see him putting up good numbers. I'm just worried long term. So I think if if I if I took Gardner Minshew, I would hope that he could help me win this year a little bit at a value, and then probably try to deal him. Um, so Ethan, I'm going to go to my buys right quick here, and uh, my first buy is Jared Goff. Uh, his ADP is 56 overall. He's going as the quarterback 16 um, in uh, at, at in DLF Superflex. Uh, uh, in our uh, ADP uh, Superflex rankings over there on uh, DLF, DynastyLeagueFootball.com. And look, you don't have to like Jared Goff. You don't have to think he's all that talented to know that he could put up fantasy numbers. And that, to me, is kind of a two-part thing. Uh, a, it's the system. I mean, that, that's the first part is Sean McVay. I have, I have confidence and faith that he's going to put Jared Goff in positions to score points. Um, and I, I don't think that defense is going to be nearly as good as it was last year. And I don't think it was very good last year. So, uh, there, there's some question marks on the defensive side of the ball. I think adding cam Akers adds a pass catching back to that backfield. Um, that's, that's going to help. Not that Todd Gurley wasn't capable. He just wasn't always available. Um, so I think that's just going to help Jared Goff. I like Robert Woods. I know that Brandon Cooks is gone, but boy, when you have Robert Woods and you have uh, Cooper Cup, and then you also have two tight ends that you can run out there with Higby and with uh, with Gerald Everett, I, I think the weapons are there. Uh, the system's in place. I don't think any uh, of the defenses in that division outside, outside of San Francisco's um, are world beaters. Seattle's passing defense uh, it isn't the best. Arizona's is still a work in progress. Um, so you get to play those guys four times a year. And I like that as well. Obviously again, San Francisco isn't ideal, but boy, you know, they had some games where they let up some points too. Uh, so very, very interesting, uh, to me, Jared Goff going as QB 16, I could see him finishing as a fantasy QB one this year. My second buy is drew lock. Obviously, uh, most of us, uh, we, I'm, I'm not including you in this, Ethan, because uh, I don't think you're on board. But most of us on this podcast, I know John and uh, and Stompy are on board with Drew Locke. We're we're uh, hook, line, and sinker. We're we're in there with him. And uh, Drew Locke is going. As, his current ADP is 70 overall, and he's going as quarterback 20. Quarterback 20 in in uh, in a dynasty startup. To me, that's just. I mean, 
the potential is there for him to, to be a top 10 quarterback. In my opinion, the weapons are there. The system is there. The defense is good enough. Um, he should be in every single game. Um, but I don't think the defense is so dominant that he's going, you know, they're, they're going to win 13 to 10 every game either. Uh, but I mean, you just look at the weapons, Corlin Sutton, they went out and got Jerry Judy. They made it a point to do that. They got Noah fan. You have Melvin Gordon who can catch passes. Um, you've got Philip Lindsay who can also catch passes out of the backfield. I mean, all the weapons that are there, this should make it pretty easy for Drew Locke, in my opinion, to put up elite fantasy numbers at quarterback 20. To me, that's a steal. So that's another guy I'm buying. Ethan, what are your thoughts on these? Yeah, I don't really hate any of these. Um, I'm from a value perspective. Obviously, Jared Goff is to me. He is not my favorite guy to build around. I tend to avoid him in drafts just because I don't. I don't 100% buy in yet. Like he's putting up the numbers. I think he'll probably be a guy that he'll continue to start, and then eventually I'll be like, well, he's a just scre- a screaming value for what he gets gives you, but. Um, I just don't, I'm not a hundred percent on board just from a talent perspective. I just don't quite trust Jared Goff yet. Uh, Drew Locke again, probably the, the opposite of Matthew Stafford, where I feel like his perceived value by the people who have him is much higher than what he's actually going for in drafts. So if you're making a, uh, a trade for him, you're probably paying more than what his startup ADP is um, value wise. And so he's a guy that I've been selling just because I'm getting him for, you know, giving him up and getting a Russell Wilson in return in one league. Um, I I packaged Drew Locke with a second and a first and got Russell Wilson. And so um, I like the, the fact that you're from a purely ADP perspective. Yes. These are both good values for in startups, for trading for these two, I feel like you're probably going to have to overpay a little bit. Um, as far as uh, Drew Locke, again, we're jumping the shark a little bit. I know that everyone on this podcast especially seems to love him a lot, and I do like him, but I just feel like we're maybe a year too early on our evaluations of him. Um, I think he's going to have some growing pains this year and you're going to kind of look back and think, yeah, we are probably a little too high on him for this season. But if he puts it together this year, you're obviously getting huge, huge gains. You're a year early. So I guess for me, I'd rather wait another year before I fully invest in a guy like Drew Locke. Um, but I don't think that it's a, a bad value in startups right now uh, at QB 20. Yeah, and that's fair. I, I think if if you do wait, you risk the chance of his price going up. Um, however, if if you know if you're ever on the fence like that, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I'll pay a premium, but I want to see it for one more year. I totally get that. And I also would trade uh, Drew Locke and a first in a heartbeat for Russell Wilson. So I, I think that's a great trade you made. Um, let's go into our sells here. Uh, so Ethan, tell me uh, who you're selling at quarterback based off their current ADP. Yeah, for sales this year, um, one guy I just I struggle because I feel like his play this year should have dropped his value, and I don't think it really did. Uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, I I know that obviously Browns fan probably not going to love this, but uh, Baker Mayfield is a guy that I feel like we're still a little too high on based on what we've seen so far. Yes, he had a great. Uh, rookie season, you know, really looked like he was going to be someone that we could, you know, the, the, the offense around him got so much better. And I just felt like he just didn't, 
quite live up to that that high expectation. He threw a lot of picks last year. He threw a lot of picks his rookie season too. I mean, 14 interceptions is that's quite a few interceptions. So he really has to clean that up. Um, you know, some of the shine, I guess has worn off, but he's still going as QB nine. So the value is still there to me. I worry, uh, with Baker, if he has another bad season, his value could absolutely tank. And so if you're taking him at QB nine, I feel like you're taking him kind of at a ceiling, and I don't tend to invest in quarterbacks that I don't fully trust in the top 10 um, at that price. I just don't, I don't really, I'm not on board with Baker quite yet. He needs to, he really needs to show out this year. Uh, otherwise you're going to look at maybe a guy that's going mid QB two next year. And you're like trying to recoup value, which I don't love. Um, another guy in a similar kind of situation where I'm just, I want to like him but I'm just not seeing the value show up um, basically from a fantasy perspective is Sam Darnold. And so Sam Darnold is kind of the opposite of Baker Mayfield in that I don't feel like Sam Darnold's team has ever given him a chance to be anything besides what he's been so far. Um, you know, he's, he went as QB, he was QB 27 last year. He's going at QB 17 this year. Uh, last year was his best season. You know, he's 13 fantasy points a game. Uh, in 2018, 14.6 in 2019. So he did get a little bit better. But again, do you trust the situation that he's in? I don't. Um, I don't think Adam Gase is a good co- I don't think he's a good coach at all. Um, and I feel like Sam Darnold is getting the short end of the stick from a talent acquisition perspective. Uh, their best defensive player basically just requested a trade. Um, the team hasn't really put either. They're putting some offensive pieces around him. They did invest in a guy like Denzel Mims, which I like. Rashad Perryman, I felt like was kind of an under the radar signing. So maybe he's a little bit better. But again, you want more, I guess. And you, you, you're, I worry with a guy like Sam Darnold, if this team is terrible again and they're picking in the top three picks, this quarterback class coming up is no joke. Uh, there's three, potentially four or five guys that are going to be top, you know, first round picks. If they're picking in one of the top two spots, what is to stop them from going, you know what, Sam Darnold, we just couldn't make it work. We're going to move on to Justin Fields. <laughs> you know, we're going to move on to Trevor Lawrence. And I, you, you mentioned it with the Jags feeling like they could be one of the worst teams in the league. The Jets are right behind them. The Jets very well could be the worst team in the league this year. And so um, I'm sorry, Jets fans, if that offends you. I don't even know if there are really that many Jets fans, but I'm sure somebody will be upset about this. Um, but again, QB 17, I'm, I'm kind of out on Sam Darnold. If he starts to show a little bit this year, if I can flip him and maybe try to get one of those quarterbacks uh, or at least a chance at one of those quarterbacks next year, I think you're going to be a lot better off. Yeah, very well. I, I agree with both these cells. I, I think, uh, you know, there is so Baker Mayfield last year was going as high as QB three. I mean, his, his hype was insanely overblown. It was, it reminds me of someone on my cell list, which I'll get to in a second here, but his hype was overblown. People were paying for what he could be. Um, and they were paying basically for his ceiling and that didn't hit. 
Um, quarterback nine to me is a little bit more in line, but I, I still think it's a little high. Um, I, I expect him to have a bounce back NFL season, but I don't know that he's going to be great in fantasy because I expect him to, 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 I expect this team to rely on the running game and Baker Mayfield to be more of a high completion percentage type guy, low risk, high reward type throws, <clears throat> um, stuff like that, that, that I think the system is going to run and utilize for Baker. So uh, I don't know that that screams fantasy potential either. Uh, so I, I'm not sure that uh, that QB nine is, is where I'd pay for him. And then Sam Darnold, like you said, absolutely. I agree with everything you said. It, it's just too high right now. Uh, it, it, he's, he's just going a little too high for me um, based off of what we've seen. Quarterback 17 to me is just that that's, it's like a mid range QB two in super flex or, you know, high to mid range QB two. And I, I'm just not on board with that. Um, I know he's young and, and this is a lot of ageism, you know, uh, quarterback position, you don't really have to do that. They, they tend to last a lot longer in the league. Um, so you don't really have to go young. And uh, and to me, this is just going young um, and, and praying, you know, hoping and praying. But you, like you said, this team could very well replace him. And a lot of people are banking on, well, maybe Adam Gase will get fired after the year. But what if he doesn't? You know, then you have two years of this guy playing under Adam Gase this year and next year. Not, you know. Um, two more years. So yeah, I, I, uh, I like both your cells here, Ethan. I think they're both solid. I'm going to move on to my cells here. My first cell, this, this one's going to, we're going to have a lot of people turn off the podcast after my first cell here, Ethan. So uh, it's, it's Kyler Murray and, and his ADP right now, he's going eight overall. He's going as the QB three. I'm sorry. There's just guys going later that I'd rather have. And I know what Kyler's young, they added, uh, you know, they added Hopkins and, you know, they have all these, all these passing options, but a, an offensive line is still not great. B while there is rushing upside, I don't know that I want Kyler Murray and his frame taking a whole lot of, of hits and he's going to take a lot more if he's got to be running out of the pocket. Um, and just QB3 to me, we're paying for his ceiling. What, what is he going to be? Does anyone think that he upseeds, um, you know, unseeds uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson this year? I, I don't. I don't think that's a possibility. So basically what we're saying is his best finish is probably QB3, and that's where we're drafting him. And to me, that's that's a mistake, and that's the mistake we made last year with Baker. I just think we need to pump the brakes a little bit with Kyler. He had a nice rookie year. He has never been QB three. He's never been a top five QB. Let's not start, start drafting him like, uh, like he is. So to me, he's just going too high. I don't dislike the player. I like Kyler Murray. There's just guys that I'd rather have over him. Mainly guys like Dak, um, Russell Wilson, that sort of thing. Uh, my second sell is Carson Wentz. His ADP is 23 overall. So second round ADP going as QB seven. And I, I just, I don't trust Wentz. It seems like, I, I, and I, I've, I've had Wentz rostered on several of, uh, of the teams that I manage and fantasy teams I manage. And it seems like every time I, I have him and I need to count on him for a big game, he just doesn't show up. Either he's injured or, or he puts up a dud. And, and so I'm just not, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in drafting him. If, if he stays healthy, great. That's fine. And, you know, hopefully he can be the king of garbage time like he was last year. It just, to me, I, this team should be so much more um, and they never really are. And I just don't know 
don't know why. Um, you know, I look at the the pieces individually and I feel like, man, you know, you got a good running back. You have two really good tight ends that I like. You have, you know, a good quarterback. You have um, some pieces now at receiver and it just never seems to be very good. So uh, I, I can't even really put my finger on the reason, but I, I'm just not going to buy Carson Wentz at ADP uh, 23. Mainly it's just because there's guys, again, that are going later than him that I'd rather have. So uh, Ethan, Go ahead, tear it up. I know, I know Twitter will, so you might as well have at it first. Well, first and foremost, this is terrible. Uh, secondly, it's also terrible. Uh, thirdly, uh, Batman is a superhero. And fourthly, uh, this is terrible. Uh, no, Kyler Murray, I, I think that we are expecting a – continuation of his success from his first season. And I think that you're banking on that in a lot of ways, the same way we were banking on Baker Mayfield to take another huge step forward based on his first season. We do this all the time with quarterbacks, especially when you get somebody that comes in and immediately produces from a fantasy perspective, you just start projecting, projecting more and more fantasy points. Like at some point, these guys are going to be capped. I don't hate Kyler Murray because I, I do feel like the one knock on him besides the fact this offensive line wasn't great last year, but to me, the one knock on him was I didn't trust any of his receiving options to bolster him and make him basically a top five quarterback um, from a passing perspective. Well, that is, that is not the same anymore. Obviously Deandre Hopkins is a bona fide number one Deandre Hopkins Anyone who's pretending like DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to turn up and sh- isn't going to show up in this offense and command 130 to 150 targets is crazy. Um, sorry, Christian Kirk is not what you want him to be. He's not going to command targets the way that Hopkins is. Kyler Murray is, has, is, has found his new best friend. Um, and so for that reason, I don't love this. Uh, it's not a hard... I think if you're, I think QB three is probably maxing out just based on who the two first two quarterbacks are. So this is technically Kyler Murray's ceiling as far as a value wise. I mean, I don't see any way, shape, or form that. I mean, the 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 one bummer is that Kyler Murray's career is going to happen almost entirely with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, and so if you the only way you can say this isn't a ceiling is if you think Kyler Murray is going to be better than Patrick Mahomes, who's arguably one of the five best quarterbacks we've ever seen at 24 years old. And, or he's going to have more rushing upside than the best running quarterback we've, we've ever seen. And I just don't think he's going to have that. So from a value perspective, he technically is a sell. So I don't hate it. I see where you're coming from but I do hate it at the same time. Cause I just don't think that I, I think that Kyler Murray is, has top three potential. And of all the quarterbacks in the league that could potentially get into that top two from a fantasy scoring perspective, Kyler has a, a one of the better shots. Carson Wentz. I struggle with because I don't really hate where he's being valued at right now in dynasty, especially, I mean, from a, maybe it's a little too high 
maybe you like him more at that like QB 10 to 12 range. To me, this is kind of splitting hairs. I do think he's going a little bit too early. But then again, I'm also one that likes to wait on quarterback. So this is the reason why I'm waiting is because I don't want to spend up for a guy like Carson Wentz when I can skip basically three rounds and get a guy like Matthew Stafford, who's probably going to put up similar numbers as long as both remain healthy. Um, so I, I see where you're going with both of these. I don't love them, but I don't hate them. And somebody's going to rip you for them. And that's just to be expected. When you don't think Batman's a superhero, you should just expect people to not trust your opinions. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll cater to the logical and not the irrational and the people who uh, are voting with their hearts like they are obviously on this Batman topic. But let's get to running backs, Ethan. Who are we buying at the running back position? Uh, this, this is a, a position that uh, we're, we're seeing a resurgence. A lot of top-end guys um, are going earlier. A lot of running backs are going earlier in general, but the first round is is littered with running backs, even in super flex leagues. So it's, a, it's definitely an important position right now to get right. So who are you buying at their current ADP? So I got two guys here and for similar reasons is in that I think they have immediate value right now. And I think that they're both going to probably outproduce uh, where they're going in fantasy this season and potentially for the next two or three seasons. Uh, the first guy is Austin Eckler. We're still not high enough on Austin Eckler. I don't think um, it, right now he's going at 31st overall RB nine. That's not, that's not good enough folks. Like, I'm sorry. Um, what he provides for you from the receiving game. And yeah, we could argue that maybe they won't pass as much to the running back as what Philip Rivers did, but he's going to be a part of this offense and he's going to be game scripted into this offense. And I, I can't remember who I was listening to the other day, but basically Tyrod Taylor was one of the number one dump off passers when he was a starter in, in Buffalo. And in college, actually, Justin Herbert was also notorious for dumping the ball off on bubble screens and things like that. So we can say that, yeah, Philip Rivers leaving is going to affect his receiving numbers, but we can't guarantee it. I think there's still a pretty good chance that he is, um, if not number two, at least top three. And I think this team is going to be behind a need to pass a lot. And that's where he's going to make his hay. And he was a very efficient runner um, and has been a, a pretty efficient runner, better than expected, I would say, um, in the rushing game. So, you know, to, to me, Austin Eckler is, if I'm taking the guy that's, I'm, I won't say he's Christian McCaffrey, but could potentially get the volume in the passing game that Christian McCaffrey does, and I can get him, you know, a full round and a half or two rounds later, I'm going to take that. And I think you're going to see Austin Eckler's ADP continue to rise into the second round, probably normalized, probably around RB five to seven, which I think is where he should be going. But right now you're getting a value. Second guy here, uh, Kareem Hunt. And I won't touch on him as a human being because I think he's a pretty bad human being. Um, I don't know him for sure, but from what we've seen, obviously not the nicest guy in the world, but uh, if we're looking at just fantasy perspective, uh, you know, he's going at ADP 90, 28, uh, RB 28. He in PPR scoring, especially he was better than Nick Chubb. Once he got onto the field, um, you can hate it all you want, but for I think six of the last eight weeks, 
Kareem Hunt was scored more points in PPR formats than Nick Chubb. And the fact that he's going RB 28, he is, he's going to score you more. He's going to outproduce that. I mean, I'm just, he's just going to do it. And so he's going to get the volume in the passing game. And then if Nick Chubb gets hurt, you're looking at top five running back. We've already seen Kareem Hunt lead the league in rushing. Uh, Very well could do it again. And I think that you're just getting an absolute steal at that price tag. Dude, I love both of these. I'm not going to add much. The only thing I'm going to add is that the Chargers might not throw as much to Austin Eckler, but they might because uh, Melvin Gordon's gone. And Melvin Gordon had 55 targets in the passing game last year, and the guy only played, what, 11, 12 games? So uh, they might throw as much to Austin Eckler. He might see a lot of some of those vacated targets, you know, might come his way. So uh, I, I absolutely love both these buys. I'm not going to add any, any, any more. Um, I'm just going to go right into my buys. Uh, my first buy is David Montgomery. His ADP right now is 73 overall. He's going as running back 23. So he's going as a back end RB2. And look, Chicago is going to use Tariq Cohen. I'm sure they still will. However, uh, David Montgomery is the clear the clear bell cow back there. I mean, he he not only does he get the first and second down work, but he gets a lot of the third down work still. A lot of times Tariq Cohen is on the field with David Montgomery. So um, I think I, I am I am willing to bet that Matt Nagy learned his lesson about letting Mitchell Trubisky drop back 25 to 30 times a game. Uh, or Nick Foles. I don't think that that's the key to this offense when you have a, a stout defense that they have uh, to winning a lot of ball games. So I, I expect David Montgomery's usage to go up, and I really like him as a buy low um, at running back 23 right now, going currently at ADP 73 overall. I, I uh, I'll take that value there, and uh, and and. You know, again, this is a younger player, only going into his second season, folks. So even if he had a a, a rough first year, it doesn't mean that uh, that you know, that he can't bounce back or that we know what he is yet. We, we're, the jury's still out. So I think a lot of people have, uh, have really lowered him in their rankings a little too early. Next guy I'm going to take is David Johnson. And <clears throat> I feel dirty saying this because uh, David Johnson was a guy who has burned me in the past, obviously um, probably burned a lot of us, uh, you know, a guy that we drafted high and, Really didn't see the results uh, as early as last year, but right now his ADP is at 102, and he's currently going as running back 31. Look, Bill O'Brien traded for David Montgomery or for uh, David Johnson rather, and he, he's going to use him. He's going to use him just to make a point. He'll use him. Uh, but David Johnson also has three down uh, capabilities. As much as I love Duke Johnson, apparently Houston doesn't because they're always trying to fill his role. Uh, and so I think David Johnson can fill that role. And I think uh, Bill O'Brien is going to try to shove it into a lot of people's faces that this trade wasn't as bad as everyone thought. Uh, I, I expect that they're going to run David David Johnson into the ground and, and his ADP of 102, basically running back 31, you're getting David Johnson as an RB three um, at, at, at a, at a, not much of a price tag. So this is a guy that, you know, if, if I, even if I take a couple running backs early, um, you know, I can wait on getting my third running back. I can address other needs and then I can go out and get a guy like David Johnson uh, that can be a running back three that I would feel very, very good about having as uh, my team's third running back. So these are two guys that I'm targeting uh, with their current ADPs. What do you think, Ethan? Are, uh, am I crazy here? I don't think you're crazy because I think the volume is going to be there and Ultimately, that's all we want with our running backs. We want them to get volume. Uh, David Montgomery, uh, 
is working. I think he's going to, he's going to probably have 200 plus carries easily. And so, you know, he adds, uh, I don't know what a realistic number is. I'm going to say probably between 30 and 40 targets. Um, you know, you're looking at a solid RB two with potentially like back end RB one, just from a volume perspective. So I don't, I don't hate that at all. David Johnson, again, Bill O'Brien is going to have to absolutely, he's going to have to try to justify like why he traded his, you know, the best wide receiver, arguably the best wide receiver in the game, uh, for David Johnson. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, but for his, from a value perspective, I mean, he is the starting running back on a team that needs a starting running back to produce to be effective and so um you know david johnson has had some bad luck with injuries hopefully he can shake that off and produce and uh, you know who's to say that he won't return to hopefully the target volume that got him to the echelon that he was in for the last three seasons uh you know if he can get those targets back i don't think he was being used right and so if he can return to mostly a pass catching back that also occasionally runs between the tackles, you might be looking at an absolute steal at RB 31. So um, yeah, for an upside play, I like David Johnson. Nice. Okay. And uh, real quick, I also, I read an article, I think it was from the Houston Chronicle, but I'm not sure it was, it was from a source that covers the team. Uh, I just read uh, the article last week that they expect David Johnson to lead the team in receptions. I thought that was interesting. Um, Nothing, you know, I, I don't. I think they're just assuming the all the wide receivers get hurt, or <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I and you know when Will Fuller and Kiki Kuti are two of the three wide receivers you're relying on so much, um, it's almost a safe bet. <clears throat> as unfortunate as that is, but uh, but all right, Ethan, let's get to our cells. We we each of us only got one uh, ha- have one running back in in our cell category. So uh, why don't you tell me about the guy that you're selling? Yes, the guy I'm selling here is Joe Mixon, and I know somebody out there, most people like Joe Mixon. Um, Again, not a great human being, but from fantasy perspective, I can see the appeal. To me, Joe Mixon has always been kind of that guy that he just, you don't actually see what you want to see. (laughs) Like you, 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 you think you're getting an RB1, and you know, he'll put together two or three games and you're like, yep, this is it. This is, this is the time. Like this is who Joe Mixon is. And then you turn around and you look at his numbers and you're just like, man, this is disappointing. I mean, from weeks two to eight, the first half of the season last year, um, after week one, he got hurt in week one, but from, from weeks two to eight, 9.7 fantasy points per game and half point PPR. Like that is just, and you're paying essentially the same price that you paid this year. That is not going to cut it. Uh, from an RB1 perspective. I mean, there's just there's too many guys out there putting up better numbers than that. Um, and then, of course, he finishes strong in the last half of the year, you know, 17.2 fantasy points a game, which was closer to his 2018 number of 17.4. That's what you're hoping for. You're hoping he gets to that. But again, he just hasn't had that consistency that you're looking for. And so, you know, if you go back to his 2018 numbers, from week to week, you couldn't, you, you wanted to trust him, but you almost couldn't, you know, 25 points first game. Great. We will take that all day. This is PPR scoring. Then he turns around 9.7. Okay. Not ideal. 20. We'll take it. 18. We'll take it. Eight. 
Okay, not ideal. 28. You know, it's it just seems like you're riding a roller coaster with this guy. And yeah, he could give you some big weeks in there, but he's also losing you weeks in other and you know, it seems like he's alternating winning you a week and losing you a week. Um, and I just don't like that volatility. I, and maybe I'm more risk averse. Maybe I want a safer, you know, week to week ceiling, um, and floor from a guy. But to me, Joe Mixon is just not quite lived up to the price tag. And so I'm selling, I mean, RB five, he's going at 11 overall. I just don't, I don't, I, I want you. It's like, you want to love him, but you just can't, I just can't get myself to, to, to invest that price. Oh, also he still doesn't have a new contract and could hold out this year. So that's important to know too. Yeah. He's, he's an interesting, he's really difficult for me to evaluate Ethan because it seems like he turns it on the second half of the year, a lot of times. And you look at that potential and you go, boy, if you stretch that out over the course of a year, he could be the RB one, but like it just never, it hasn't happened yet, right? So it, it's a dangerous game to project somebody to, to do something like that when they haven't done it yet and they're entering, what, their fourth year? So, um, yeah, I, I, I have a tough time with Joe Mixon as well. Um, and, and, you know, the volatility, the, the, the fact that you can't count on a consistent weekly score is very interesting because my sell is Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is going 19 overall. His, his current ADP uh, is uh, overall number 19. He's going as running back nine, which, by the way, nine running backs in the top 19 picks of a super flex draft. It's insane. People stop. Um, and anyways, I, you look at Miles Sanders, and he play, played every game, played all 16 games, and his his fantasy points range from 3.7 up to 35.2, and they're all over the map. I mean, he had one, two, three, four... He had five games under 10 points um, in PPR scoring. And then he had one, two, three, four, four games over 20 points in PPR. So, I mean, he, he can win you some weeks. He can lose you some weeks. He's a guy that in best ball, I'd really, really like, but man, if I put him in my lineup and I get that 9.3 or that 6.7 or, you know, any of those scores, I mean, that, that could lose me the week. Um, I would really like the consistency of 10 to 12 to 15 points being able to rely on that. And I just can't with Miles Sanders. And look, when we're drafting a running back this high, you know, when you're spending a second round pick on a guy, um, it's okay to, to, to be a little picky on how you want your fantasy points, because that's a, that's a big thing. You know, uh, we, we play a head to head weekly game. This isn't like a roto baseball style thing. Uh, so, so it's important that we get that consistency week in and week out from our top players I don't know that Miles Sanders can do that. He did finish his running back 12 overall in PPR scoring last year. Um, so him going as running back nine, um, you know, isn't terrible. I just, there are some guys still going after him that I think I'd rather have that I think can put up more consistent numbers. Yeah. Um, again, I think it's another case of we're, we're maybe a year too early. Um, the price is the price you're paying right now for Miles Sanders is what you should be paying next year, assuming that he takes the jump that we expect him to this year. Um, and I think that's going to be the trend for a lot of the guys we choose, you know, as sells, especially younger guys. That is the, the trap you fall into often is that 
their value is inflated based on what we're hoping they become, not what they actually are. And so that's when I feel like you're 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 gonna see a lot of disappointed owners out there in fantasy when some of these guys aren't gonna make that jump. They're not going to go, you know, from you know, you know RB12 to RB7 or 5. Um, they're not going to make huge jumps and become a bell cow. Um, I, I don't think Boston Scott is going away anytime soon. Uh, the team wants to run a committee. They've always wanted to run a committee uh, with Doug Peterson. So uh, I, I agree with you here. I mean, I do feel like Sanders, maybe we're jumping the shark a little bit. Um, and of course, it's dynasty. You have to bake in projections for the future a little bit um but i I don't hate this nice i'm isolating that audio where you say i agree with you here and i'm gonna play it every time i uh i bash on batman not being a superhero so you agree with it now you agree with it now i don't agree Um, with that (laughs) all right ethan Let's get to something we can't agree on. Let's get to wide receivers. Who are your buys at their current ADP? And and again, uh, I want to foreshadow a little bit. Um, Ethan and I both found two guys that we were buying, but only one that we were selling. We're pretty positive. We're a pretty positive uh, group of guys here with all things going on. So, Ethan, give us the guys that you want on your team that you're going to draft at their current ADP. So I got two guys here. Um, Terry McLaurin uh, going as 63rd overall, wide receiver 23. I feel like he showed enough his first season. Um, you know, this is, even if you take him right now at wide receiver 23, I feel like that's kind of a, a pretty safe projection. I feel like you're getting him, you know, basically at what he could be this season. Um, and then obviously with the age, you're hoping he gets even better, but um, unlike a guy like Miles Sanders, where I feel like you're paying a premium for what he could become, I feel like with Terry McLaurin, he is being priced at what he is currently, and you still get the upside of what he could become. You know, he could, you know, another monster season. Uh, he, you could be looking at a guy that's going in the top twelve uh, wide receivers next year. So you're, you're, it's very unlikely that his value drops lower than this. Let's put it that way. Um, the second guy here, and I think this is. Uh, again, someone I just feel like is kind of criminally undervalued just in general in fantasy. Uh, but Tyler Boyd, um, again, I don't, I don't know what I'm quite missing with Tyler Boyd. Um, it seems like he's somebody that I've been able to get, you know, relatively cheaply. Um, what is it? What is it that we don't like about Tyler Boyd again? I mean, he did, uh, you know, he did take a little bit longer to break out, but he's coming off two straight seasons of over a thousand yards. He's getting a massive upgrade at quarterback and you know, yeah, he's getting a little bit more competition, but Tyler Boyd's role is pretty well defined in this offense. And there's no reason to believe that he couldn't continue to get even better. I mean, he could potentially become a guy that, you know, he, that becomes, you know, the next, I don't know what I'm, what I'm looking for here. Uh, he's going to outproduce wide receiver 28. Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, he's the wide receiver 15 or 18 last year um, in fantasy points scored. Uh, you know, he's putting up, you know, pretty consistent numbers. And that's exactly what you want to see. I mean, yeah, 10 fantasy points a game. That's because of two stinkers. He had, you know, two bad games. But outside of those two, you know, 14, 22, 12, 28, 12, 12, 19, 16, 13, 33, you know, he's putting up some games that as you're, you know, you're drafting him 
as a wide receiver three, he's giving you a solid floor as a wide receiver two most weeks. And so if you're plugging him in as your wide receiver three, you're perfectly content with that wide receiver three. Not, you know, yeah, if he has a stinker, that sucks, but it's not killing you like it is for some of these other players when they put up, uh, you know, a bad game. They're killing you. Tyler Boyd is not. So it's all gravy. So if he puts up 20 points as your wide receiver three, you're freaking you're rolling in the dough right there from a just a team building perspective. So, uh, yeah, Tyler Boyd, Terry McLaurin, those are two guys that I'm pretty aggressively targeting right now. Yeah, I like both these guys. It, it kind of sucks that I can't disagree with you more because, uh, you, you know, know it's tough of, being right all the time. We've, but. <laughs> we've kind of agreed on a lot and it's it's given me some sort of like anxiety. You know, I'm not used to to agreeing so much with uh, with any any of you guys. So it's uh, it's definitely something that I'm going to have to get used to. But uh, but no, I, I agree. I like both these guys. And look, the, the key for me in both these teams is they're both not going to be good. I think they're both going to be bad teams. So they're both going to be behind and they're both going to be throwing a lot late. Um, garbage time points count just as much as, as you know, they count in the first, second and third quarter folks. So if you're getting blown out in the fourth quarter and Terry McLaurin catches a touchdown, um, you know, that's okay. That, that counts, that counts just as much as everything else. So uh, to me, that, uh, that, that means a lot. And, you know, Washington just doesn't have a lot of other options, do they? I mean, if you're not buying Terry McLaurin, you better be buying Steve Sims or you better be buying, you know, Antonio Gandy golden, because there's just not, there's not a lot there uh, in my opinion, you know, uh, there's not a lot of meat on that bone for, for uh, Haskins or anybody to really use uh, there. So, um, yeah, that's just me. I, I'm going to go to go to my bias here, and uh, I'm going to start with a guy I'm very passionate about. That is Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, his ADP is 41 overall. Uh, he's going as wide receiver 14. He was he was a top 10 wide receiver last year. He had over a thousand rece- uh, receiving yards, uh, 89 receptions, uh, seven touchdowns. Folks, the quarterback play cannot get much worse this year than it was last year. Everyone knew where the ball was going. I mean, it was it was going to Allen Robinson over and over and over again, um, and and that still didn't stop him. So uh, I look at his schedule. I enjoy the fact that he gets to play the Lions and the Vikings twice. Um, I, I like that, and he's in a contract year too. Um, so that's that's something not to ignore. Uh, there's just a lot of positive signs here for Allen Robinson to have another good year. Again, he's still young. He's entering, entering his prime now. Um, and, uh, and he really, really, if, if he could put up numbers like that and he could be a top 10 wide receiver with the type of play that that offense had last year, I, I think he can do it again this year. So I like Allen Robinson a lot at his current ADP. It's a guy who I think, uh, finishes as a top 10 wide receiver that's going right now as wide receiver 14. Another guy I really like, I I just, I can't quit him. It's Brandon Cooks. His ADP right now is 116th overall. He's going as wide receiver 41. And when we talked about David Johnson, Ethan, you mentioned that people were probably banking on their receivers getting hurt. And and that's, that's just it. I mean, if you're counting on Will Fuller, Kiki Kuti to stay healthy all year, boy, that's a, I, I'll take the other side of that bet. I'm sorry. I just will. It just uh, seems like more times than not, they are not on the field. So, um, yeah. So now it's Brandon Cooks and it's Kenny Stills. And I, I like that an awful lot. I also like the upgraded quarterback that Brandon Cooks gets. He gets Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball as opposed to Jared Goff. Uh, I like Jared Goff's system. I think his system is set up for him to put up fantasy points. 
don't think Jared Goff is very good. He's definitely not Deshaun Watson good. So I think Deshaun Watson, his rushing ability, his ability to be able to extend plays is all going to help a, a young wide receiver like Brandon Cooks, a guy who can get down the field. And oh yeah, Deshaun Watson can throw the ball down the field too. So um, this is a guy with his current ADP at 116 going as wide receiver 41 overall. I mean, that's that's a wide receiver four. I'll take Brandon Cooks as a as you know a, a wide receiver four on my team any day of the week and uh, and be very happy with that. So uh, those are my buys, Ethan. What do you think? Well, I don't hate either of them. Let's put it that way, which is a shame nice. because I feel like I should. Um, Allen Robinson is probably the cheapest true alpha wide receiver that you can get. Uh, that's established himself as an alpha wide receiver. I worry a little bit about the quarterback situation, but if it's Nick Foles, it can't be worse than Mitchell Trubisky. So to, to me, Robinson is, you know, if I'm going RB early, especially if, uh, you know, first two to three rounds, which is something I like to do a lot, I am perfectly content with Allen Robinson as my wide receiver one. And there's not a lot of guys going in that range that I can say that confidently. So definitely like the Robinson pick there. Brandon Cooks, uh, ages on his side, concussion history is a little concerning. Uh, he's a smaller guy, but, you know, potentially if he stays healthy, could be the you know, wide receiver one, I guess, for Houston. I mean, this is, it's amazing how much change has happened in Houston. I felt like I totally understood where their offense was going every year. And then this off season, it just like imploded in my face. So, um, with Cooks, I think that that's I think that's fine because he's you're getting him for dirt cheap, um, and he has been able to produce. So yeah, I'm good with that. Nice. So I'm basically a genius, is what you're saying, and I I appreciate that, Ethan. Thank you. Um, so that's so not what I said. <laughs> let's no, we're just gonna move past it. Let's move past it. We're, we're past it. Um, let's go to let's go to your cell. Um, again, only one guy on your cell list. Who are you selling, Ethan? For me, the guy here, uh, and it hurts me to say it, but I, I, I've kind of jumped off the bandwagon, Mike Evans. Uh, Mike Evans, I cannot – again, I like consistency. Uh, I value consistency a lot when it comes to fantasy, especially with my top guys. I, want, I don't want guys that are going to give me dud games um, or at least not dud games that lose me a week. And so that was – you want to talk about boom bust like Mike Evans was it last season. Um, you know, just going through his game logs real quick. Uh, we'll go full PPR, full PPR, four points, 10 points, 45 points. All right. Huge. We'll take that every, every game, uh, 18 points. That's what I would consider average zero points. Uh, that's killing you, you know, 20. All right. We'll take that 42. We'll definitely take that 36. But then he finished the season 12, 10, 9, 9, 13. I don't think that Mike Evans, I think Mike Evans is going to be hurt the most from the quarterback change because he is definitely a guy that wins down the field um, in contested catch situations, which even then he wasn't like great at it, uh, you know, 60th in the league in contested catch rate. So he wasn't as good as what he has been. Uh, seventh and touchdown. So I worry that Tom Brady is not the same guy. He is Tom Brady is not going to leave it up 
to Mike Evans to catch the ball. I just feel like uh, Brady likes it when his guys get open and he is going to feast on a guy like Chris Godwin and he's not going to necessarily do what Jameis Winston was doing last season, which was basically just throwing it up for Mike Evans. Um, I also worry from a you know health perspective, um, Mike Evans body type doesn't age particularly well in the league. Um, you know, I know he hasn't gotten to that kind of age threshold that we're t- typically looking for yet, but he is getting there and body size, body, body types like Mike Evans, um, they don't, they just don't tend to last, um, as long as your, you know, your smaller, more slight receivers. And so, uh, he's 26. He'll be 27 before the season starts. I just don't see any way that he is going to produce at the way that he has the last couple seasons with Jameis Winston with Tom Brady. I'd rather be wrong and be out a year early or two years early than see that decline happen in front of me and lose a ton of value um, from a fantasy perspective. So I'm out on Evans. Somebody will probably be like, you don't know anything about anything, but to me, I'd rather sell early than, you know, get burned on the back end because I held on to a guy too long. You don't know anything about anything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's I, true. I, I'm on board with the Mike Evans sell. Um, I was shocked to find out that he's only 26. Don't I feel like he's been around a lot longer than that. Like I, I don't, yeah, he's been I, in the league a long time. Um, it, man, like six it, seasons, one, two, yeah. three, four, five, six. Yeah, six years. I was shocked to find out that he was 26. Like that, it just didn't add up in my head. But speaking of a wide receiver that is entering the over the hill years, that is my cell. It's Julio Jones. Currently, his uh, overall ADP is at 29. He's going as wide receiver eight. So to get him, you got to spend a mid round third, uh, mid third round pick on him. I just don't think it's worth it. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze here. He's 31 years old. Uh, it the, the signs are pointing to this offense starting to go to Calvin Ridley a little bit more, starting to go away from Julio Jones. And look, he's had a great career. He's been a fantastic player. He's still going to help your fantasy teams. I just don't think in a dynasty draft I'm taking him as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver anymore. There's too much young depth and talent. Uh, at, at the position for me to pass on to take a guy who I know's best days are behind him. I'm just not on board with Julio Jones going as wide receiver eight and having to spend a mid third round pick early to mid third round pick to get him. Um, yeah. So that's, that's it. Plain and simple. I'm selling Julio. What do you think, Ethan? I'm only selling Julio if I'm not winning this year or if I don't, I'm not really particularly close to winning this year. Um, well, real quick, redraft, I don't, don't hate Julio this year. I think you're going to get probably two more years out of him. I don't hate it. If you're, you know, if you've got a two year window and you feel like you're really competing, yes, you know, invest in Julio. But what you're saying is you don't think his value is going to go up. It's only going to go down. And that is absolutely true. Age production. There are a lot of signs that are pointing to Julio Jones is not going to gain value from year to year. And so if you sell them now, you're probably going to come out ahead most likely from a value perspective only, um, which, I mean, that's the whole point of the buys and sells. So, you know, we're only looking at value. So yeah, I, I'm okay with that. 
So let me ask you a question because it's based off of ADP and I really, even though we're calling it cells, we probably should have called it something else because it's just guys that I wouldn't take at their current ADP. Um, If you're sitting there in the middle of uh, the third round or beginning the middle of the third round um, in a startup and Julio's there, are you considering taking him or do you think that's too early? Oh yeah. I mean, third round. Yes. Because to me that is, what you're getting the first two years, you're probably competing. You know, I mean, you're getting a top five wide receiver, most likely, uh, assuming health. And that's good value. I mean, I, I, I don't hate it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I don't see top five value there this year. And I think that's probably where our disconnect is. But that's that's you fair. You don't think you think wide receiver eight is like his ceiling, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I would rather have Allen Robinson because I'm gonna get a similar finish this year and probably several more years of of finishes. <laughs> um yeah, while Julio's out of the league. So I think I think that's kind of – there's probably guys that are younger there that I would take over him, um, only because I think I can get a similar finish this year. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. But let's, let's move on. Let's move on to tight ends. And, and look, the tight end position gets no love, Ethan. It gets no love. All we hear about is a top two, top three, top four tight ends maybe, and then that's it. But you know what? You still got to hit. Look – Mark Andrews wasn't Mark Andrews last year. Somebody had to find him and hit on him. And when they did, boom, that was a huge help for their roster. Who's going to be the next Mark Andrews? And then who's going to be that guy that we're going to draft as the number four or five tight end that is going to bust, that we're going to sell? So um, give, me, give me your buys right now, guys, that you think could be the next big thing. And then give me your sell. Uh, and then I'll, I'll go over my buys before we get to sells here. Yeah, so my first buy here um, is a guy that I feel like is going to provide some value for you right now, but could potentially be a top five tight end as soon as next season, and that's Dallas Goddard. Um, yeah, we know that Zach Ertz likes his tight ends. We know that the team, you know, the, while they did draft a wide receiver in the first round, they're still going to run a lot of tight, two tight end sets. They don't have a ton of receiving depth. Um, so even though Zach Ertz is there, you're going to get some value from Dallas Goddard immediately. And then, you know, Ertz is getting up there in age. And so, you know, we have an out basically after this season uh, for for them to get out from under his contract. And so while I don't necessarily know if they take that this year, I think you probably have this year and next year with Zach Ertz. Um, after that, they're probably cutting him. Um, and so if they're not cutting him, they're at least not, they don't have any pressure to sign him back. Um, I think that you're going to see Dallas Goddard start to continuously take over more and more of the workload from the tight end position as Zach Ertz ages. And so to me, you know, right now he's going at tight end 12, uh, ADP is at 128 overall. Uh, again, if you're someone who waits on tight ends, this is Uh, definitely a guy that you want to make sure you get on your roster because he's still young. He was the number one tight end coming out of his draft class. And for me at least, and you know, I think that the second part of his career is going to be, I mean, pretty elite stuff. I'll I'll never forget uh, the Eagles trading up in front of uh, the Cowboys to get Dallas Goddard. And I, 
I, I still think it's one of the most savage draft moves I've ever seen in the real life NFL draft because uh, we know that the Cowboys have not been able to figure it out at tight end and Dallas Goddard was sitting right there and the Eagles traded up right in front of them and swiped them. And they'll admit, they'll say that they weren't after Dallas Goddard, but to me, it's like this is just an absolutely savage move because if he becomes anything, the Cowboys are going to wish that they had him. And so we've already seen that he would have made a, a huge impact for that offense uh, for the Cowboys. So I just love remembering back on that. Maybe that's skewing my value of Goddard right now, but um, he's a definite buy for me. And the, the second guy here is Johnny Smith. ADP 151 overall, tight end 15. Uh, Johnny Smith is a guy that has the athleticism. He has a quarterback now that can get him the ball. Um, you know, he is prepping for a breakout. And right now you're getting him a tight end 15. That is, you know, that's probably lower than what I would expect uh, for a guy like Johnny Smith. Um, he was one of the better yards after the catch uh, tight ends last season, especially in the second half uh, with Tannehill throwing him the ball. And, you know, he, uh, I mean, heck, he took, he took a rushing attempt for 57 yards. So, uh, you know, the dude's explosive. You know, he has, you know, top. 10 tight end potential. Uh, we've already seen reports that Tannehill and Johnny are working out together right now. Um, you know, it's coming. I mean, this could be, you know, that guy that you wait on at tight end, you take him and he ends up being, you know, a top seven tight end for you and you paid pennies for him. And so uh, Johnny Smith, definitely a guy that I'm getting on a lot of rosters right now. I like it. I like both these buys. And uh, again, man, I just, killing me here uh yeah down Goddard, you you weighed out a, a fantastic case for him janu smith is a guy who i'm high on as well uh, i think tennessee can use the tight end position ryan Tannehill likes to throw the safer passes um he also likes aj brown a lot but um i'm i'm done buying into Corey davis so uh to me janu smith is probably the pet, second best pass catching option on that offense so we'll see kind of how that works out I'm going to go to my buys right quick here, Ethan. Uh, my first guy is TJ Hawkinson. His ADP is 113 overall. He's going into tight end nine. Look, this is a guy who was taken in the top five of the NFL draft just a year ago. I know last year he kind of, you know, he started out strong in week one and then kind of fizzled away. But we don't expect tight ends to, you shouldn't expect a tight end to be great overnight. That's not going to happen. Takes these guys a little bit of time. This year, I think, is the year to get Hawkinson. Um, I can see a lot of two tight end sets. The Writing's on the wall, man. Detroit wants to run the ball. I think it's pretty easy to see that when you look at what they did in the draft. They took uh, DeAndre Swift high because they couldn't count on on Johnson being healthy all the time. Uh, I think th they want to run the ball. So I think TJ Hawkinson's going to be on the field for a majority of the time. I could see a lot of play-action passes and Stafford utilizing Hawkinson as well a lot too. The seam should be open because Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones have been doing a fantastic job on the outside there. So to me, I'm, I'm totally buying TJ Hawkinson. I just think uh, right now, I don't think his value is going to go any lower than what it's at now. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking him. I'm buying him right now. And speaking of low value, that gets me to my second buy. Jay Sternberger right now, his ADP is 195 overall. He's tight end 24. Uh, 
I, I'm totally buying this guy. Look, what did Green Bay do to upgrade their weapons? Nothing. They did nothing. Uh, they, they still have uh, just a questionable bunch of wide receivers outside of Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, I, what are they going to, they're going to throw the ball. And when they do, who are they going to throw it to? Well, Jay Sternberger is the next guy up after Jimmy Graham left. They didn't really address that position. I mean, uh, they, they did draft Segura, which I think most people are thinking it, it sounds like he's going to be more of a fullback option. Uh, so the tight end position is is wide open, and I think Aaron Rodgers can really utilize Jay Sternberger. I think he's going to have a lot more opportunity this year than he had last year. Uh, so I'm, I'm buying Jay Sternberger everywhere, especially at ADP 195, tight end 24 overall. You're paying next to nothing to acquire him. And even if he doesn't work out this year, even if this is a year that he has to kind of learn on the job, next year, man, this guy is not going to get any cheaper, especially if he shows even the smallest of flashes in that offense, which I expect him to do. I, I don't know who the second pass catching option is there. Is it Alan Lazard? I, I, I mean, Jay Sternberger looks like he's he's going to be in line for a decent size role, and he's going so cheap that I'm buying him. So, Ethan, what do you think of my buys here? Well, here's the thing. I wanted to put TJ Hawkinson in my buys, so I really can't fault you for that one. Jay Sternberger, I think the price is fine. Um, I'm not sure if this is the year for Sternberger. Um, I think you're probably going to get even better value next year. Um, But again, from a talent perspective, yeah, I think he's a fine dart throw. You're not really paying much for him, so could he end up as a top 15 tight end this year? Yeah, I don't. I think that's perfectly reasonable. So, uh, to me, Hawkinson is a screaming buy. That this kid is, he's going to be really good, and he's shown it in flashes already, and it's only going to get better. I mean, Hawkinson was one of the better tight end prospects coming out of college that we had seen in a while, and I don't see any reason why he couldn't easily pay back that you know tight end nine price tag plus um, very quickly. Nice. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I'm counting that as a win. Uh, let's let's go to let's go to yourselves here, Ethan. And we both have a couple of guys that we're selling at this tight end position at their current ADP. So who are your sells or who are you not drafting at their current ADP? I really only have um, you know, a couple guys here that sc- scream just stay away from. And one guy it hurts me to say because I was so impressed with his recovery last season. And he just got he, he just got hurt again, <laughs> and I felt so bad. But Will Disley, uh, tight end out of Seattle, uh, currently going as the tight end twenty five. So again, the price isn't bad. Uh, the problem is that I just he's at that category for me from an injury perspective where I have to see him healthy for a year before I'm willing to invest again. Like I really have to see him, even if it's not a productive season. I at least want to see him on the field for the majority of the year. Um, He had arguably the worst injury that you can have uh, with the patella tendon rupture comes back. Then he has probably the second worst injury you can have with an Achilles rupture right after that. Just horrible luck for this guy. But when he has played, he's been pretty productive and he has put up some, you know, a couple big games that make you go, Hmm, this could be something here. And so while I'm currently selling as soon as he gets healthy, He's one that maybe this time next year I'm buying because I think that he's, you know, he's proven he could stay healthy. Um, 
but to me, one tight end leagues, the tight ends are so disposable. So, you know, if I can get, if I can flip Disley for a second round pick, most leagues, I'm probably doing that. Okay. That's fair. I, I think I agree with you there. Who's your second sell? My second guy is kind of a continuation of my buys, uh, Ertz, you know, uh, he's currently going as the tight end four seventy sixth overall. I, I think he's kind of tapped out from a value perspective. I don't think he's going to go up any higher. He's not breaking into that top three anytime soon. Uh, he's only getting older. He's the, you know, him and Kelsey are kind of, well, I think Kelsey is going to maintain value longer because of how important he is to the offense and his quarterback is, um, you know, w- you know, <laughs> we've already talked about, but basically the best quarterback prospect um, and one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen. And he's 24. Um, Ertz doesn't have that luxury. You know, we've already mentioned uh, that, you know, you especially, you're not really totally sold on Carson Wentz right now. And so while Carson Wentz does love the tight ends, Zach Ertz's contract is coming up and they have an out. Like I said, I think we got two more years. Um, but he's got Dallas Goddard nipping at his heels trying to, you know, basically supplant him as the number one option for tight ends on his own team. And then we don't know where his next step is. You know, we don't know where he ends up. He could end up on a team that doesn't value tight end the same way uh, that the Eagles do. And then you're looking at a huge drop in value. So to me, again, rather be a year early than, you know, a year late. Um, I'm trying to move Zach Ertz right now um, to basically maximize the value that you're going to get for him. Yeah, I like that. There's a lot of players around his current ADP that I think I just rather would have. Um, and, and even at the tight end position, there's, I mean, I, I think I'd take Darren Waller over Zach Ertz right now and he's, he's going uh, almost a full round waiter. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think the writing's on the wall. I, it'll be interesting to see where Zach Ertz lands because I don't think he's with the Eagles beyond this year. I think you're right. There's, you know, it's it's th- there's a reason why Dallas Goddard's there, and I think his time's coming sooner rather than later. So um, I like yourselves here, Ethan. No problem with either one of them. I'm on board. I wish I did because um, I'd like to argue with you about something. But um, oh, we can argue about something. Oh, we can. We can. Batman. Yeah. Is it- not- He's not a superhero. He's he a is. hero. He's just he not is. a superhero. He is. How is he super? He has no superpowers. See, this is where you're wrong. Because what are you talking you're about? assuming that to be a superhero, you have to have superpowers. Well, okay. So what's the difference between a hero and a superhero then? Well, why are you just saying like heroes can be anyone? Well, exactly. Uh, and Batman is is an anyone. He just no, isn't super. He is doesn't have superpowers. No. No, he's super. He's super intelligent. Well, so was Stephen Hawking, but we don't review. We yeah, don't review him as a superhero. That's, no, that's no, that's that is so. He's a hero, though. Okay, so just like Batman. Here's what, so who is the who is who is Superman's greatest villain? I don't think he has one, to be honest. Oh my gosh, there's there's a correct <laughs> James. I know, I know what you're. I know what you're gathering i know where you're going with this lex luther yeah okay However, Wait, hold up would you consider lex luther a super villain i would not know what how are you gonna say that he's clearly he's he doesn't have any superpowers 
Oh my God. I thought you were just going to discredit Superman by saying his greatest villain is a guy who doesn't even have superpowers. That's why I thought you were going with this. No, the fact that Batman can do what Batman does, he took down the entire Justice League by himself once. So basically what you're saying is if I give Dwayne the Rock Johnson all the technology that Batman has, he could be a superhero? Because Dwayne the Rock Johnson is not a master of martial arts. Oh my goodness! I, yeah, all right, Ethan. I, 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 I'm gonna tell you how wrong you are after we're done recording, okay? Because this is gonna take entirely too long. Let me tell you. Let me tell you who I'm selling. Let me tell you my tight ends. I'm selling. We'll finish this up, and then I'll tell you how insanely wrong you are. So, I'm gonna start with Evan Ingram. I'm selling him ADP 82 overall. He's going as tight end five. Uh, so he is going over Darren Waller as well. Um, Evan Ingram's a guy that I just, man, the potential's there. You look at him, you see uh, uh, an elite receiving asset at the tight end position, guy who can line up in the slot. Giants don't have a ton of options that I feel great about, so I, I would like to like Evan Ingram. Problem is that he just never really wows you. You know, I mean, first off, he's he's not healthy very often, and when he is, you just I, I just haven't seen him put together everything that uh, that you would like to see him put together and become one of those top fantasy assets because it seems like he has the skill. He just never does it. So I, I'm just, I'm done waiting for it. Um, and he's a guy that I'm not, I'm not going to pay, you know, tight end five price for uh, right now. Second, second guy I'm selling is Tyler Higby and his ADP is 114 overall. He's going as tight end 10. Look, I know that he closed out the season gangbusters. I really do. But, I don't know that we can say for certainty that this is going to be the guy at tight end for the Rams. And even if we do, I still don't know where that puts him on the pecking order there for the Rams. So I'm a little hesitant uh, to, to, to Don um, Tyler Higby as the next coming. And I, I it's just a guy I'm not going to take at tight end 10. It's too pricey for me. There are other guys going in that area again, that I would rather have uh, Tyler Higby. Also, uh, Ethan, you and I kind of talked about this. He's 27 years old. He's not a young man. Um, and tight end is a position that, you know, it can be tough on your body, you know? So uh, it, it's, it's tough to, uh, to, to, to play into your, you know, mid thirties or do, stuff like, you know, Greg Olson and Jason Witten have done. Um, and to be effective though, um, is it, that's, that's a tough thing to do. So I'm just not buying Tyler Higby or Evan Ingram at their current ADP. So you could tell me that I'm wrong on the tight end thing, but you're not going to tell me I'm wrong on the superhero thing. I wasn't even listening. Cause I was too busy just fuming about your terrible superhero takes. No, um, no, I'm kidding. Of course I was listening. Um, I like selling Evan Ingram because, again, the injuries do concern me with him. Um, and I, I think you you made a good point about him not – while I think he has the tools to be an elite tight end, he's still getting priced like he just hasn't – he's getting priced like he's been perfectly healthy his whole career, and that's just not been the case. We know that tight ends are the most likely to be injured uh, position on the field, so tight ends get hurt more often. And so if you have a tight end that's been hurt and then he – continues his career he's going to keep getting hurt that's just kind of the facts of life um tyler higby i love the point that you made up about is that that you made up like you made it up you didn't actually made it up but you, you brought it up um about his age and him being older than what you would expect i i definitely agree with that um i think you know again tight end 10 this is kind of his peak and so you know i like selling players especially tight ends that i feel like i'm getting 
you know, basically they're, they're not going to accrue any more value than what they have right now. You're never going to have more buying power than you do right now with Tyler Higby. And so, um, I, I like that, but your superhero takes a trash and I'm sure when we air our grievances, this will be brought up because, Oh my gosh, I'm taking on all comers. I'm even re uh, J Mike is coming back on. I'm taking you all on and, and Brian Hart. I heard you. I heard you in your talk with earlier when you were recording with Addison and Addison, I heard you too. And, and John was the only voice of reason, you know, that even had a little bit of reason in him, you know, trying to, trying to talk them off the edge. So I'm, I'm welcoming all comers on that episode, but anyhow, uh, real quick on Tyler Higby too. Do you know he's going one spot over Austin Hooper right now? To me, that's insane. Like at least Austin Hooper has kind of proven, you know, what his ceiling is and we have no idea with Higby. So, um, yeah, and and the weird thing is that Austin Hooper is also two years younger than Tyler Higby. So, uh, go figure. I don't know, but uh, all right, Ethan. So we we put in our time, man. We're we're done. We've informed the masses on what they should do. So uh, we're we're, we're going to cut it out. I want to give a special thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the use of their song, "The Addiction," and also a special thank you goes out to Dynasty League Football and the family of podcasts there, as well as the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. Make sure to follow the show and send us your questions at trade polls. Um, to the uh, the podcast handle on Twitter at Superflex Show. We can retweet those, help you get more votes. We can also bring them on the show and analyze them from time to time. For Ethan at EturnerFF underscore PT and myself at underscore James the Brain. Stay sexy and super flexy. Batman's a superhero.